So we're going to start from the very bottom uh, words. So let's just recap what it is. We started a another sugya, uh, which is really kind of unrelated. It's a tangent about a Shomer Aveda, someone who's watching a lost object. You find something, you're watching it. Hopefully you're trying to find the right owner, but you don't. he's not here right now. So now you become tasked, and the Torah actually tasks you with watching it until uh, you're able to return it. And the question is, what level of responsibility do you have when you're watching the lost object? In general, there are two uh, degrees of liability we're familiar with, a Shomer Chinam and a Shomer Sachar, two different levels of watching something. You get paid to do it or you get not paid to do it. If you're getting paid, there's a higher accountability. So then you're chayv, not only if you're negligent, but even if it's stolen or lost. The only thing you're potter from is if it's totally an onus, something you, you couldn't avoid. Whereas a, whereas a Shomer, uh, who's not getting paid, so he's only chayv if he was poshev. He's negligent. But if it was lost or if it was stolen, he's also potter. So the question is, the Shomer Aveda, is he potter or chayv? So there were two approach. So it's a machlokas. Rava says he's like a Shomer Chinam. Rav Yosef says he's like a Shomer Sachar. We saw yesterday, maybe he's benefiting because he doesn't have to give tzedakah when he's watching it. Or maybe there's a different idea if Hashem forces you to watch it. So then therefore, you, you automatically have a higher degree of responsibility like a Shomer Sachar. Either way, Rav Yosef is the one he holds that is like a Shomer Sachar, so he's liable, even if it wasn't necessarily negligent, but it's lost and stolen. The Shomer Aveda would be, would be uh, chayv to pay back the owner, and Rava says the owner of Shomer Chinam, it wouldn't be chayv unless he was negligent. So now the Gemara is going to try to bring up a, a bunch of challenges. So Israel, Yosef, the Rabbah, to Abadam and Aleph, that's the Makam Shirena. Let's say someone who found the lost object, he returns it to a place where the owner would see it. So in other words, he's not actually putting it in his hand. He's, he, he's putting it in a place where the owner is going to see it. He's not obligated to deal with it, meaning he's not liable if anything further happens to it. That's the point that we're saying. As long as you put it in a place, you arrange for the owner to see it before it gets any damage, so then, you know, all your responsibility is over. And the Gemara is going to elaborate upon this, but that, that seems to be that we're saying is that the Chiv HaShava, the Torah says you should return it to him. The Chiv HaShava doesn't have to mean literally in his hand. You put it in a place where he's going he's gonna to see it, then, then, then you're good. Now, and then the next line says, Nignavo, if it's lost or stolen, Chai Bechrusa, you're responsible. So what in the world does that mean? How do I interpret that? in a way that it doesn't contradict what was just said. So my nignavavda, now we explain, what does it mean if it was lost or stolen? Obviously, it doesn't mean after you returned it, because we just said that if I return to a place where we see it, I'm good. So it must mean, it means if it was stolen from the finder's house or lost from his home. And it's saying that um, if it was b- b- before you returned it, if it was lost or was stolen, then you're obligated. So we clearly see her like a Shomer Sachar, who's chai for Gneva Veda. In other words, that's the point. Once I return it to the place where you should get it, I'm absolved from all responsibility. It must be the line that I'm chai if it's lost or stolen means before. And then we have a raya that you're treated like a Shomer Sachar, who's chai for Gneva Veda. It says the Gemara is not a proof. It really means that if it was lost or stolen from the place where he returned it, that's where he is. Uh, and there, and the idea would be is that by, by, by um, in, in this case, he was negligent by returning it, not, not in a safe way. So the Lord says, but what do you mean? That, well, that would contradict the very first line. The first line says that once you return it to a place where the, the owner is going gonna, gonna to see it, then you're not obligated to deal with it, meaning you're not liable. So the way you want to you defend, let's just steer one line to the next. So what's the second case where we say you're responsible for what's lost or stolen? You actually see it, but you returned it in the afternoon. So you have to understand there's two different times. There's two different cases the bride's referring to. If you return it in the morning to a place where the owner would see it, in the morning is a time when the owner goes in and out, he's going to see it. So then in the Chai so that's not negligence, and therefore you're potter. So in other words, basically, it's right before the owner leaves his home. Usually, you know, let's just say you return it at, you know, a 6, 7 a.m. And the guy, people go out to work, it's between 7 and 8. 
So then it makes sense. You're returning it in a way that probably nothing's going to happen to it. You can't say it's negligent, right? I think it makes sense for us. Whereas, let's say you put it at 2 p.m., so who knows what time the guy's going to come out from the field. It's not normal for him to go out until later, in and out until later. And then it's lost. So then you are responsible. So we're coming out like this. Really, if something happens to it when it's in your watch, you're not like Neva Veda, you're not high. Really, like you're Shomarkina. The whole Nakuda is you only have if you're negligent. We're trying to figure out is returning it to you, but, but not putting it in your hand, putting it in a place where you will see it, is that negligence? And in that, we're saying that that depends. If you put it in the morning right before people normally go in and out, that's fine. Right? As you put it in the afternoon in a place where Mechatesi is going to see it now, so that is an act of a negligence. And therefore, if Neva Veda would happen, we're going to be Machai of you. Says the Gemara, another Kasha, Isve. there's a bride before. It says that the finder is always Chayav. Unless it's returned to the domain, right? He's always chayav, the finder, unless he returns it to the domain of the owner. My Olam, what does it mean he's always chayav? Well, it means he's chayav even if it's lost or stolen from his own house. And that's what we're coming to include now. We're coming to say he's liable even if, he, even if it was, if it was um, left in your house where it was seemingly safe. And, but if it got lost or stolen, you're still liable. So what do we see? That you're treated even without negligence. You're treated like a Shomer Sachar who's liable for Gneva Aveda. I agree that if it's an animal that was found and you leave it in your house, then you actually are liable. Why? So because they have the habit of going outside. Remember, there's a very important point here. You found a lost animal. You didn't find an animal. You didn't take the animal. You didn't steal it. You found a lost animal. So it obviously has a habit of going outside. So so there's clearly an extra degree of watching which is necessary. In other words, when you find an animal, there even Rabbah will agree that the finder is liable if it's stolen or lost. Even though he's a Shomar Chinam, he should realize that it's very likely that the animal is going to wander off and that it needs an extra, an extra level. So we're saying, very interesting, Svara, is that that's therefore considered negligence. When you have an inanimate object or a regular random animal, then we assume that if it's stolen or it's lost, that's not an act of negligence on behalf of the person regarding it. But when I'm dealing with someone who found a lost animal, an animal that has the tendency to wander off, then leaving it in the house in the way that it could theoretically be lost or stolen is a problem. It's an act of negligence. And therefore, even if he's a Shomar Chinam, he is still liable. So it comes out that Machlokas Rabban Rav Yosef is not by live animals. So my Rabba's opinion is only really relevant to inanimate objects. Says the Gemara is a Rabba Rav Yosef. Now we're flipping the tables. Rabba was like as a Shomar Chinam is going to ask a Kasha and Rav Yosef from the Brisa. Hashev, the Torah says you should return. It's talking about Pasuk of Hashev, you return. I would say maybe you have to return it literally in his house. Put it inside the most secure way. They can also come as not. How do I know that I can return it by putting it into the owner's garden or this? Building that he has, how do I know that's a good enough type of hashava? The Torah says, Hashav Tishivain. It's a double expression, clearly an extra word. Mikomakom is telling you in any way, even to the garden or to the building, that's good enough. So, what does the Bible mean when it's saying the garden or the building? If you're talking about that, it's a secure location, meaning the walls could withstand. Even a strongest wind, you know, mamish like a fortified place. Hanubeso, that's obviously the same level as returning it to his house. Like, what in the world would be the difference uh, if, 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 I, if I put it into his, his strong, guarded, uh, infenced uh, chatzar, or if I put it inside of his home? You don't need the Torah to tell you that in that case. El Pshita, what's the case? Look, you know, we're talking about one that's not as secure. Meaning, if I put it in someone's house, it's obviously more secure than if I put it into a courtyard, like a regular courtyard. You know, common circumstance, a normal wind, everything's fine. But we understand that if I put it in the courtyard, it's not as good as the house. And as the Mars, just before we're getting to the proof, what we're clarifying is that clearly the, the novelty that I could put it in the courtyard is that the courtyard is not as guarded as the home. Because let's say withstand, you know, only normal wind, 
have an abnormal wind. And what are we saying? It's good enough if you return it there. Shema minak Shomer Chinam Dami. So you're only like a Shomer Chinam. Why? Because what's the difference between the Shomer Chinam and the Shomer Sachar? Besides, if you're Chayv to pay, if Geneva Aveda happens, a little bit of a deeper understanding is that a Shomer Chinam only has to do a minimal, basic level of guarding. A Shomer Sachar is expected to do a superior type of guarding. That's the defining difference to create what we now say who has the greater degree of liability. The Gemara is bringing a proof that if we're saying it suffices to return it in a way where it's, it's not protected from abnormal winds, it's just guarded against common things, you see that that must be he's only treated like a Shomer Chinam. Had he been treated like a Shomer Sachar, presumably he would have had to do a better type of Ashava and return it mamish to a place that could withstand, you know, even abnormal winds. Says the Gemara, Malay, no, long really, when we say he could return it to the courtyard, we mean a courtyard that's super guarded, guarded even against abnormal winds. One that's even good for a shomer sachar. So this that you're bothered, then what's the novelty? It's just the same as the house. What's it teaching me? And this is what it's teaching us. You don't need the bailam to be aware that it's been returned. The chiddush, what we're saying is, is that if you just return it and you don't inform him as well at all, then then, then that then that then that is good enough. Again, provided that it's adequately protected, even though he's not going to become immediately aware. So if I put it in a guy's house and I don't tell him, okay, that, that's basically telling. Him. Everyone's going to see it in their house. But if I put it in a place that it's not so clear when exactly it's going to find it, but it's a very guarded place. So that's an example where we're being machadesh is that you don't need das bailem, that that's considered an adequate ashava. And the reason that's such a novelty is that other times it's not like that. Whenever you're returning something, you actually do need to return. Let's say you're a thief, for example, or a regular shomer. If you don't return and inform the owner, then it's not considered return. And it's even if the wildest things happen, you might still be liable for it. Here the Torah says that extra word, and it tells you as long as you put it back in a secure place where the Bailam eventually will get to it, even though at this moment they're not aware of it and you haven't informed them, that's still considered a valid Ashava. So it's not about if you're putting it in a safe or an unsafe place. Of course you have to put it in the safest place. You're a Shomer Sachar. But the point is, is that you don't need the informing of it. And we see here a very interesting thing about the liability. Really, it's a, it's a fascinating concept, I think. When you have someone else's things and you're returning it, there's like a Thing, you know, you have to check mark. It's like, I think about this is the, I think some of the court cases that we've seen recently, very interesting if you had this experience with city bike. You know, it's like you put the bike in and until it, until it clicks, you're not off the hook, right? I, what do you mean? I should expect someone to come and steal it? Yeah, you have to. Until it clicks, that's not, you know, that's not a hashava. So that's like an interesting sort of example of that. You're a shayim, you're, you're, you're a shayim, you're borrowing. Normally, unless it's clicked 100%, you're not off the hook. Anything that can happen beyond that, you can be held liable, even though you have nothing to do with all of that. But unless it clicked, it didn't click. So that's like, I think the equivalent is just not secure. You know, I think that might just be an act of negligence. Maybe even a shomer aved, if I find your bike and I left it in that way without clicking it, it might be that way. And then there's an extra level where it is secure, but but until you're informed for a Ghana or a Shomer, you're still, that's not Mekayim Vedin of Ashava. But we're saying for Ashava Zaveda, you can be Mekayim as long as you return it in a secure way, even though the owner is not aware. All right, now says the Gemara, just a short introduction, but a very important introduction, is that when you, there's a halacha that um, when, obviously we know a Ghana pays Gevo. We know a Ghana pays Gevo. But the halacha is, that when someone goes over to a shomer and he says, where's my thing? And the shomer says, what are you talking about? Um, it was stolen from me. I'm, I, I have no problem. I'm, I have no liability because I, I, it was stolen from me. I'm not liable. And then he, 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 it turns out he just lied about it. And really the guy, you know, just, just trying to buy himself time. But really, really it was not stolen from him. The halacha is the shomer has to pay kefal. Hmm. Even though he didn't steal it. 
Uh, he didn't steal it the regular Gneva. It was by him and he's just not giving it back. But Allah is a toying dinah's ganav. Someone who tries to potter himself as a shomer by claiming he was a ganav and he was lying about it and he's busted up lying, he has to pay Tashlum He has to pay double. That's the Allah of toying dinah's ganav is like ganav. So here, let's get into this. I'm like, by the way, you don't know that someone who's lodging the lost object is treated like an unpaid shomer. Let's say someone tries to get himself off the hook when he's right. He has a, he found a lost a lost object, and the owner's like, "Thank you so much." He comes to pick it up, and the find the lost object says, "I'm really sorry, it got stolen." Claims it got stolen. Well, I'm positive. I'm off the hook. So he's telling his gun about Aveda. Once he's busted off for lying, if he if he claims that he, it was stolen, but really he was lying, he has to pay Kefel. He has to pay to, 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 twice. He has to pay double the amount back to the owner. What's the shot? Tony Tain is gone of. Vayashomer is treated like a, like a gun if he pays Kefel. But wait a second. It, that's all good if he's like a Shomer Chinam. A Shomer Chinam is Potter on Geneva. So that makes sense. The case is, he says, where's my thing? He says, I'm sorry, it got stolen from me. I'm exempt. And then it turns out he was lying, so he has to pay Kefal. But if you tell me he's a Shomer Sachar, he's not without a Shomer Sachar, so then what, what happens? He says, where's my lost thing? He says, I'm really sorry, it got, it got stolen. You, you, yeah, you pay when it got stolen because you're a Shomer Sachar. Shomer Sachar is having Geneva. What's the whole case? You should just pay the principal right away. If you come and admit it was stolen, you're admitting to a liability. If you're a Shomer Chinam, no, the opposite. You're absolving yourself from liability. You're saying, I'm only a Shomer Chinam, it was stolen from me, therefore I'm good. So now when you're busted up for lying, that's the din. And you have to pay careful. But if it's like a Shemir Sachar, then the whole case doesn't make sense. Because then, as soon as you admit that it was stolen, immediately you're hired to pay the principal. The whole case just doesn't get off the ground. Says the Gemara, You're claiming not that it was stolen from you in the middle of the night by someone who came in. You're claiming that it was an armed robber who came in. He took it from you by force. So, here, a very important point is that even a Shomer Sacher who is high for Kneva Aveda, he is not high for an Ones. He's not high for something that was beyond his control. So, if this, let's say, a paid Shomer would claim that it was taken by a, uh, an armed robber and he swears he wouldn't have to pay anything. He's not tiny it was stolen. He's really tiny an onus occurred. So there is a case where Shomer Sacher as well could be towing a taina of a ganav and then has to pay Kefal if he was tiny that they were armed robbers which are on the level of onus which would have absolved him and then when he's busted up for lying he admits that he swore falsely about it he would have to pay double. So really it could be Shomer Sacher but the case was that he was tiny it was armed robbery. So I'm a late listing but wait a second. If someone comes with it, well, there's a big difference. Who pays Kefal? Only a Ganav, not a Gazan. What's the difference between a Ganav and a Gazan? A Gazan takes something by force. A Ganav comes in and steals it in, in the middle of the night. So an armed robber, which one is he? Chayra says the Gemara, he's a Gazlan. He's not taking it. He's not, ta- he's not taking it when you're not watching. He comes and takes it by force, right? He comes, he has a gun, and he says, watch out. And he says, give it to me. And the guy gets it right. He has to give it to him. So what's the point? What are we saying? That it should be a Gazan. And if he's a Gazan, the din of Kefal doesn't apply. So if you're, the whole din wouldn't make sense if he's dining there was armed robbers. Why does it apply? The, so general halacha, general halacha to know is that only a Ghanav pays Kefal. Gazan does not. There's time halacha before even Shemer. Only a Ghanav pays Kefal, Gazan does not. So Tain Tain is Ghanav pays Kefal, but Tain Tain is Gazan does not. So if the case is you're tining that there were t- listed Mizun who came and took it from me, so then even if when you're busted up lying, so this in some the whole halacha of, of Kefal doesn't apply. So that can't be the case. So Elamai, it's back to he's telling Tanis Ganav. So then the proof comes back. It must be Rishi's Yishor Merchinam. Amalei, Shani Omer, listen to me, keeping the mitzvah inchi, an armed robber, he hides from people. Ganav, he's actually considered a Ganav. The Gemara is saying a big Chiddush. He's actually like a thief. Why? Because he's not robbing openly. He, he's going where he hopes other people will not see him. In other words, a Gazlan is someone who goes in broad daylight 
and just says, give me your thing, and he just forcibly takes it away. That's a goslin. An armed robber, yes, he might use force. He might use a gun. But at the end of the day, he's, ha- he's acting in a way where he's hiding from people. He's not doing this openly in front of the world. The defining difference, what an interesting machlekes here. What is the defining difference between a ganem and gazlan? Is it the fact that one does it with not in front of the owner? You know, like he goes in the middle of the night when the guy is sleeping. That's what the Gemara thought. The Gemara is answering no. It's about whether he does it hiding from people. The fact that he uses force does not automatically make him a gazlan. So now let's go back over everything. So now everything's good. According to the, the Pshat and what we're saying now, list and Mizuyim really are considered ganav. In a regular case of list and Mizuyim, you pay kevel. The Mela, the Shemer Sacher, who ties the pot to himself by saying list and Mizuyim, would still be a case where he would have to, if he lied, where if he swore falsely, he would have to pay kevel. He tried to pot himself up by saying the onus of list and Mizuyim happened. What, you want me to defend myself? The guy had a gun, right? Zicher and Oynes. And, and, and then when he admits that he lied, about it, he's high of Kefel. So in order to make this answer work, you need two points. You need to understand that Tanya Tana list of Mizuyan is something that even a Shemir Sacher could absolve himself from. And you have to understand the list of Mizuyan are considered like a Ganav. So then when he's busted off for lying, he still would have to pay Kefel. So we've defended ourselves. And now we're going to go off on a tangent. Because in order to make that defense work, we had to say an armed robber is considered a thief. Says the Gemara Isfa, is that really true? Top of the Ahmed base. Lo, im Amrit. So what are we talking about? Just sorry to another another short introduction. We're talking about Shlichas Yad. Shlichas Yad is once the, the Shomer, Shomer is not supposed to use the item he's watching, right? He's supposed to guard it. Once he uses it, once he tries to make a kid on it to use it, then he becomes Chayv even if an own has happened. Meaning normally a Shomer is Potter if an own has happened. But once you go to use it, once you're Shalich Yad on the Pikatan, once you go to use it, so then any unavoidable mistake that happens, you're still liable. So now that Halacha is... Um, that halacha is said by the Shomer Kinnam and by the Shomer Sachar. And then what the Gemara here in context is trying to figure out is, what we, what, why, did, why don't we just say it by, the, um, by one and not by the other? That's what we're trying to figure out here. What, why don't you make a Kava Chomer over here? If even a Shomer Kinnam, who is a lesser degree of liability, once he goes and uses it, becomes Chayef for everything. So certainly a Shomer Sachar, you should have a halacha. The Gemara is like questioning if it's necessary to write both. So let's just, now we're picking up right in the middle of that conversation. If the Torah only wrote, a Shomer Chinam you think is more lenient, but actually he's not. Why is a Shomer Chinam not more lenient? Because there's a case where a Shomer Chinam has to pay double. A Shomer Sachar doesn't pay double. Why? What does the price mean? Shomer Chinam, if he lies about it, he claims it was stolen from him, and then he would falsely pays Kefal. Shomer Sachar, if he would lie about it and say it was stolen, and then it would be wrong, what would the Allah be? Wouldn't matter. As soon as he says it was stolen, he would just pay back the principal. So a very backwards, twisted way, a Shomer Chinam actually has a bigger Chomer of a Shomer Sachar, because a Shomer Chinam could hypothetically pay double, and a Shomer Sachar does not. Now, what's the problem with that? If it's true that list of is really a thief. There is a case of a Shomer Sacher who would pay double. If you came over to the Shomer Sacher, you said, where's my thing? And instead of saying it was stolen, he says it was stolen by armed robbery. And therefore, it's an onus that occurred. And in admits, and then he admits he swore falsely, then he would have to pay Kefal. Must be. In that case, he also doesn't pay Kefal. Why? Because it's not Kneva. Really, you're, there is a case where Shomer Sacha would pay Kefal, but it's limited only to a case where it was armed robbery. Shomer Chinam pays Kefal by all claims of robbery. It doesn't apply to all admittance of robbery. It's only a type of robbery of armed robbery. So therefore, that was the chilek they were bringing out. It's, we didn't mean Shomer Sacha can never pay Kefal. No, he would pay Kefal in a case where he's trying to tell the list of Mazin and then he admits he lied. But we mean... Shomer Chinam has broader, has more cases where he could theoretically pay the cave.
Okay, continues the Gemara again. We're trying to figure out is an armed robber or a thief or, or is he a Gaza? So Isfe says in the price of a Nishbar, we're talking about someone who borrows an animal here. So just to understand, when you borrow an animal, so your mom is using it, so then anything that happens, you're liable for it, right? Only even onus. So Nishbar Mesa talks about if the Torah says it gets broken or it dies, you pay. I would only know if it gets broken limb or it dies. How do I know that if it, if it gets stolen from the borrower or if it gets lost, he's also liable? In other words, the Torah speaks about it dying almost because of a wild anomaly. How do I know that if it gets stolen or lost, he's also liable? So Amrit, I respond, of course you're liable. If a paid Shomer, where you're exempt, if a fluke happens, you're still chayv if it was stolen or lost. Then by a show who is chayv, if, if, if an onus happens, of course he's chayv for Gneva Veda. So that's the Kavachomer. And the Gemara says, very interesting, the Brisa has, this is the best Kavachomer. There is no way to refute this one. Like this is an ironclad Kavachomer. Think about it. It makes a lot of sense. We know about a Shoel, he's chayv on, even on Onsim. We don't know he's chayv for Gneva Veda. Well, Shomer Sakhar, so then, obviously, someone who's chayv and owns him should for sure be chayv and owns him. Like, amazing kavachomer. Then Abai gets to his question. If you tell me that an armed bandit is considered to be a thief and he would pay kev on my own shuvah, why is there no shuvah no over here? I'm going to make a pericha. Again, in a backwards, ironic way, is more chamer than a show. Why? There's a way that he would pay double. If he, if the owner comes over and he says, where is it? And the Shomer Sacher says, I'm telling you, armed robbers came and took it away from me. So he's absolving himself because he's claiming an onus happens. Then he admits that he lied about it. He would pay kefal. He would pay kefal because he was tining that he was potter through Geneva. So, 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 Masha Inke in the Shoel would not be Potter in that case. He would just immediately be Karen because he's Chayv even in Onsen. So, how come that's not a backwards, ironic Chumrah for Shomer Sachar over Shoel? Must be the Tana the Brides holds. He said the Kabbalah Chumrah is irrefutable. Must be he holds that List and Mizuyan are really Gazlan and Gak, not, not Ganav. And therefore, there's no case where Shomer Sachar would pay double. So, Amalei, no, because of Haitana. You know why that's not a, a Perichot? This Tana holds. Karna Belushfu Adifim Mikfeilushua. Paying a principal without taking a false oath is a greater chumrah than paying double after a false oath. Meaning, what's the point of the Gemara? It's backwards. The reason why a Shemir Sacher pays double in that case is because he was absolved of liability when he was lying about it, and then he admitted his word falsely. Okay, so he pays double. Shoel would pay right away. What's the Pshad he pays right away? Because he's a greater degree of responsibility. He's Chayv Anonsen. So it's a backwards chumrah. It's actually more chumr to be Chayv right away when you say an onus happens. That's a greater chumrah than even though it comes out to Shemir Sacher after he swore falsely would pay double, but that's all based upon the basic idea that he was absolving himself when he claimed onus. So if you're trying to figure out which one is more chamer, clearly the Shoel is more chamer because he's chayv bones him. Yes, does it come out from the leniency that your partner owns him that it could come out a double payment from the Shemir Sacher? Yes, it could, but at the end of the day, that doesn't represent a greater sense of chumrah by Shemir Sacher. All right, so now we go back to, and try to bring a proof now that the, uh, the armed bandit is considered a god of Lehman Messiah. Someone rents a cow from his friend and it was stolen. So do you remember, a renter, what's a renter? Is he like an unpaid custodian or a paid one? So that's machlokas tanoim. Obviously that's going to become relevant again. So someone rents a cow from his friend and it was stolen. The guy, the renter said, you know what, let me just pay for it. I'm not going to swear. So just one, one last, I'm sorry, one, intro, one more introduction. If a shomer chinom, if he potters him, if someone, if someone says, you know what, instead of swearing that it was stolen, I could pot to myself if it was stolen. But instead of swearing, you know what? Let me just pay. I'm scared of swear. Oaths make me nervous. Let me just pay. Let me just pay. He didn't admit to it. He didn't say, well, let me just pay. Then if the Ghanav is found, who does the Ghanav pay Kefal to? 
So in other words, the Ganav stole it from the, from the Shomer's house. The Shomer could have potted himself if he would have swore, swore that it was stolen. But instead of swearing, he just willingly paid. When, the halacha is very interesting, he acquires the rights to the payments of the Kefal if the Ganav is found. If the Ganav is found, he has to pay double. Who does, the, who does the payment go to? Not the owner, but the Shomer. Once the Shomer paid for the animal, then now if the Ganav is found, he pays Kefal to the Shomer. That's a general introduction. So now we're talking about someone who is renting. Then it was the time, hey, where's my thing? Return it, the rental's up. He says, I'm sorry it was stolen. I'm sorry it was stolen, but Lamaisa, let me just pay for it because I don't want to swear. That was the case. Now the God of his found, he pays the kefel, he pays the double to the renter. Seems like this is the case. The renter paid. He, he, by, pay, by paying for it, he acquires the right to get the kefel. So says the Gabar Savurus, we think that the price holds like that a renter is treated like a paid shomer. Again, the Torah doesn't say how you treat a renter. Rabbi Yudah Shita is that is treated like a paid renter. Okay. So now, the guy said, I'm going to pay and not swear. It was the renter's choice whether or not to swear that it was stolen and potter himself. Or pay willingly. It was his choice to pay. Clearly, he was able to exempt himself with a shvua. What's the case? Again, if it's true that a renter who's a shamer, who's like a shamer sachar, he could have pottered himself with the tain of ganav. Isn't a shamer sachar chayav and ganav? Must be. He could have pottered himself by saying it was list of it was armed robbers. Uktani. That has to be the case, because or else a regular Geneva, he doesn't pot himself. There's, no, there's nothing to say, oh, I'm not, I'll just pay as opposed to swearing. You can't swear anyway, buddy. Uktani, what did the price say? It still says that when the Ganav is found, he pays the Kefal to the renter. And what type of Ganav is this? What did we say? He's a list of Ganav. We see list of is a Ganav, and that's why he's paying double. So just again, speak out the case. It says a renter said, I'm going to pay instead of swearing it was stolen. The renter now acquires the right to take the kefal if the Ganav is found. We think we're going to review that our renter is a Shemir Sachar. Clearly, that means he's absolving himself only by saying it was Listam Mizuyan. And yet it's saying when the Ganav is found, he pays it to Tashlumi Kefal. So we see Listam Mizuyan is, uh, is a Ganav. Says the Gemara, Amri Misa was Grabuda. You think we're going like Grabuda? No, Sakha, that a renter is like a Nose Sakha. Maybe we're going like Ramayr, that a renter is a Shomachinam. If so, then it could be he was pottering himself up by saying it was a regular thief, an unarmed thief. Then obviously that person would pay careful. Says the Gemara, you buy same the Mach of Rabbi Ravu of Atani. Just remember, the Gemara is keeping the same thing. We're just saying, you, maybe the names were Meir and Rabbi Yudah who got flipped around. Until now, it's Rabbi Yehuda who holds that a renter is like a Shomer Sachar, and Rameir holds that the renter is a Shomer Chinam. It could be it's flipped. It could be that it's Sechir Kates Mashab, Rameir says the Shomer Sachar, Rabbi Yudah, and Shomer Chinam. So say the same exact thing, but then we could, instead of saying it's Rameir, we could keep that it's Rabbi Yudah. But again, the defense would go in the same way that it's really a Shomer Chinam over here uh, who's pottering himself with a regular uh, claim of. Um, with a regular claim of Geneva. Says the Gemara, Rabbi Zera, Amar, Rabbi Zera says, in other words, Rabbi Zera is coming to defend the proof, and he's going to say, even if a renter is like an, un, even, if, even if a renter is like a Shomer Sacher, I'm going to make it make sense. You're right. He's making a claim that it was, that the guy was armed and exempting himself because he was saying it was an onus. But then what happened was, listen, Shane Mizuyan, he claimed, he made a claim that it was, it was something which would have exempted him from liability. And by saying the guy had a gun, the reality is it was found that he was an unarmed guy. And now he has to pay Kefal. So very interesting because it kind of turns out that the guy lied. But remember, he didn't swear. So let's just go over the case. You got a renter. 
Really, he's like a Shomer Sacher, he'd be chayavig nevavedah. Okay, so, oh, where's my thing? He says, ah, I'm telling you, there was an armed robbery that occurred, I'm potter. So I say, so say, okay, swear to it, and you'll be potter. He says, you know what, I don't want to swear, let me just pay. He pays. Then Lamaisi, we find the robber, and talk of the robber is found, the evidence was that it was an unarmed robbery. So he has to pay kefal. Right, that's the thing. It's very interesting because I mean, if it was according to your words, the guy wouldn't pay gayful. But the terrorist is, is that Lamaisa, he didn't do anything with his words. He didn't pay. He paid. He paid. He, you're right. You're right. He talked a lot, but he didn't swear anything. Nothing happened. What happened? He said it was an armed robbery. I'm really potter, but you know what? Let me just pay anyway. That's what happened. So now, now when you find, he, pay, it would be, he, he paid. And in the moment, he wouldn't have paid and they would have found and the he, there wouldn't be. Right, right, right. That's what we're saying. Yeah, exactly. Very, very interesting. Very interesting point. All right. Uh, fine. We'll hold here for today.